0: Well, today's going to be part two in this new series, and I'm excited, and I'm excited because I survived part one, which is when I came and told the church to grow up. So if you can survive part one when you tell the entire church it's time to grow up, it's likely you're happy when you get to part two when you tell them what? Now you've got to work hard. We'll see how we survive this one work hard. After you grow up, you need to work hard. So I begin this second session with a, a few questions, okay? What did you think it was going to be like to follow Jesus? Did you think it was going to be easy? Did you think being born again would be easier than born the first time? your new life did you think it would be easier than the first time i picked this picture on purpose because i think that this is a, a picture of the spiritual battle that we live in the flesh it's hard work it's not easy did you think it would require work to come to christ now now a lot of you already your mind is spinning Because, you know, we just sang a song about amazing grace. So stay with me. I'm going to explain what I mean. Most people do not equate hard work with Christianity. At least Americans. There's been way too much prosperity gospel preached in America. Many Christians in other parts of the world understand that following Christ and growing up in the faith is indeed hard work. Growing up is hard work. The Apostle Peter knew it would be hard work. He knew it would not be easy. He knew it would be a constant struggle because he lived it. In many parts of the world, coming to get baptized, coming and making this proclamation of my faith in Christ to be born again into this new life meant constant this. Constant opposition. And America has gotten soft. Because much of our life, we didn't face much opposition at all. And some of you are experiencing that some of that's starting to change. Do you know what is easy? In fact, this is probably the best way to start this second part. Do you know what is easy? If you don't like the idea of this picture of following Jesus is this constant Struggle of having to push against the world. Do you know what is easy and requires no work, no effort on your part? The wind blows toward hail. There you go. It's easy. Just let go. Many have been led to believe that grace means you don't do anything. I'm going to say it again. Many have been led to believe that the idea of amazing grace, that's why it's amazing. You don't do anything. Yes, grace is God's undeserved favor, which means we don't deserve the offer of Christ, but he offers him to us anyway. Grace does not come by our effort. It's true. Grace does not come by our effort. But here's the million-dollar question. What about after grace has come? Grace does not come to me or you by your effort. It's undeserved favor of God, but what about after grace has come? Grace is a free gift, and none of us has earned this gift. That's why it's called grace, but that has nothing to do with our calling of God to be the followers of Christ. We are called to grow up into spiritual maturity and work hard. In this calling of God he's called us if the wind blows toward hail if it is this picture then we're supposed to stand against the prevailing wind and I can tell you right now it's hard work that's where we begin our continuing journey through the second letter of the Apostle Peter he told us to grow up to spiritual maturity and all that begins with faith And work hard. Next week, I'll tell you, it's going to be beware of false teachers. Work hard. Be eager. Make every effort. Be diligent. Those are all the major English English translations for what I'm about to read to you from 2 Peter. I'm actually going to back up two verses and give you the context of last week's grow up comment. And then we'll be able to see why Peter tells us after you grow up, you're going to have to work hard to stand against this prevailing wind. The wind is blowing toward hell. Just let go and you'll just find yourself there in the darkness one day. It's hard work standing against the prevailing wind of this world. Here we go, 2 Peter 1, verse 8. The more you grow like this, The more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, here comes part two. So, dear brothers and sisters, after you grow up, work hard. Work hard to prove that you really are among those who God has called. And you really are one of those that God's chosen. Do these things. What? Grow up and work hard. Do these things and you will never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Work hard. Be eager. Make every effort. Be diligent to prove that you really are one of God's chosen. Called. Called. Do You mean I have to do something after I'm chosen? You mean I got to do something after I'm called, after I'm chosen, after I encounter this amazing grace, I've got to do something? Let me describe grace again. I want to tell you the truth. You don't do something that gets you called and chosen, okay? That's why it's called Grace. You don't do something that gets you called and chosen, but you are called to do something that requires hard work after you are called and chosen. Is anybody listening? We must all stand against the prevailing wind, and that is hard work. I'm convinced that some of you don't really believe that. I'll just say it. I told you I survived the first session. Grow up. Let's see what happens today. I'm convinced there are people listening to me, either on site or online, that you really don't believe that God's calling has put upon you a task that you are expected to do. An assignment. Many in the American church really don't believe that. And because of that, Next week's topic, beware of false teachers, many are going to be terribly surprised on the last day. Let me tell you the truth. It's hard work to really study the Scriptures. Do you think that comes easy for me? It's hard work to deny yourself and serve others. That never comes easy for any of us. It's hard work to work a week of camp or go on a mission trip to some faraway place. You think that's easy? It's hard work to share the gospel with people who don't want to hear it. It's hard work to give away 10% of all you have to advance the work of the kingdom of God. It's hard work. None of that's easy. None of that comes natural to any of us. It's hard work to get on your knees and pray when you don't feel like it. It's hard work to deny yourself. It's just basic. Fundamental, it is hard work to deny yourself, take up a cross, and follow this man against the prevailing wind of this world. It's hard work. Is any of this stuff easy or natural to fallen man? No. That's why it's called hard work. That's why Peter tells us, work hard, be eager, make every effort, be diligent to prove that you really are one of God's called and chosen ones. The Spirit of Christ is always at work. I need for you to understand a fundamental spiritual truth. God is working right now. He's not idle. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is always at work. And if the Spirit of Christ is always at work, there's the foundation. If the Spirit of Christ is always at work and the Spirit of Christ lives inside of you, then so should you be working. Do you believe me? Jesus, let me give you an example. I I, I don't want it to be based on my opinion. Jesus heals a crippled man in the Bible. And in fact, this guy's been crippled for 38 years. 38 years he's crippled. And Jesus could have picked any day of the week to heal this guy on. But what day does he do it? He does it on Saturday. He does it on the Jewish Sabbath. And Jesus is Jewish and everybody around him in this scene is Jewish. So why in the world does he have to do it on Saturday? Because he wants to reveal something. He needs to reveal something. And I'm going to give you the short version that God doesn't take Saturdays off. And he's not taking off today. He's doing something. He's working. In fact, let me read it to you. And I want you to notice the opposition against the prevailing wind. John 5, 16, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus. Why? This guy's been crippled for 38 years. Why wouldn't you celebrate that this guy has suddenly been healed? Why wouldn't you celebrate that this guy, 38 years, he's not been able to walk, and now he's able to walk? The Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules, but Jesus replied, here we go, my father's always working. Uh-oh. He doesn't take Saturdays off. No, he's always working, and so am I. Why, why is Jesus? Because." Jesus announced that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And my Father's always working, so I'm always working. Now, how does that apply to us in this room today? If Christ is in you and you are in him and he is in the Father, that means that you too are always working. He's doing something. God the Father is always working. Jesus is always working. The Holy Spirit is always working. So let's ask the question: what about you? The welfare state in America has created a sort of welfare Christianity. Yeah, I said that. Welfare Christianity is the idea that somebody else is going to take care of that, but not me. So let me ask each of you today, what is your calling? Peter says, work hard so that you can know that you are really one of God's chosen called people. So what is your calling? What is your calling? What is your role in the body of Christ? Now, when I say that, I'm usually careful. Sometimes the calling of the body of Christ has something to do with 1195 Nineveh Road, what happens here on this campus. But more than likely, that calling has something to do with what happens anywhere and everywhere, not necessarily here. So what is your calling? Don't answer out loud, but can you answer yourself? What is your calling? Do you feel any responsibility to do anything in and for the kingdom of God? Could you write it down today? Your calling. Maybe this will motivate you. This is what the apostle Peter said. Maybe we need some modificate, motive, yeah, one of those. Motivation. <laughs> Not modification. I don't even know what that is. Peter says, do these things. Grow up and work hard. Do these things, you need motivation, and you will never fall away. Now, some of you think, well, that's not even possible. Beware of false teachers. Do these things and you'll never fall away, and then, and then, what? God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do these things. What things? Do these things, you'll never fall away. What things? Grow up and work hard and beware of false teachers that will tell you that grace has created a new Christianity where you can just watch it on TV. Yeah, I said it. A new Christianity in a new world where all you got to do is just watch it on TV. You don't have to do anything. Do these things and you'll never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into his kingdom. Listen, I'm going to say it again. Inevitably, somebody will misquote me on this. You don't work hard to be saved, no. You work hard because you are saved. You see the difference? And the Holy Spirit is alive. And the Holy Spirit is working in you and He's working through you because Jesus proclaimed a word of truth. My Father's always working and I too am now working. And if Jesus lives inside of you, then He has come into you with an assignment. Work hard. Take it serious. Let me read Peter's message to the struggling and persecuted church again. I want to read it again. Verses 8 through 11. The more you grow like this, The more you grow like this, the more productive church. This is what the church is called to be. The more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop, they're never going to grow. They're never going to work hard. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and they're blind. And they're forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you'll never fall away. And then God's going to do something that's going to blow your mind. Then you're going to, he's going to give you this grand entrance. My mind cannot comprehend it. I believe it. Don't get me wrong. My mind cannot comprehend that sentence. Then the Lord's going to give you a grand entrance into his eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love how the New Living Translation uses the phrase, grand entrance into the kingdom. I don't don't even care if I have to slip in through the back door. Just get me in there. The NIV, it says, gives you a rich welcome. How do you think the father was going to receive his children? So when you read that, this grand, work hard, grow up. And he's going to give you, you'll never fall away. If you're working hard and you grow up and you take seriously this calling of God upon your life, you'll never fall away and the Lord will give you a grand entrance. I've got a question. How did you think the father was going to receive his children at the end of this spiritual war? How did you think he was going to receive? How would you receive your children when they returned home from a war? It'd be a rich welcome, wouldn't it? I think God is anxious to receive and welcome His children home after the war is over. And some of you sitting here listening right now, you still don't acknowledge that this is a spiritual battle that is raging in the heavenly realms, playing itself out on the earth. It is life and death. It is heaven and hell. There are people who are losing their life and those that are saving their life right now. And He offers you and I grace, faith. Faith. And then we grow up to maturity and we become productive parts of the body of Christ. And then, then we work hard because we understand that the battle's real. Understanding that when the battle's over, he's going to give us this rich welcome into his kingdom. But the battle's not over yet. I want to hear this when I get there. Listen, one of my life's goals is I want to hear what I'm about to read to you when I arrive at that gate. And I want, listen, I don't want it just for me. I want it for you as well. Matthew 25, verse 23. Jesus says, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that your goal in life? Let's stop stop in this for a moment. Grow up, work hard. Grow up, work hard. Grow up to spiritual maturity, Work hard. If you do these things, you'll never fall away. And you'll get this incredible welcome when you get to the kingdom. What's the welcome? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a few things. I'm going to bless you with many things. Come, come, come. Let's share the master's happiness. That's it. That's it. That's life. That's the goal of life itself. That's the statement of Christ for all who have worked hard. And if you look at the context of that scripture, Matthew 25, that's the statement for those who have worked hard and multiplied that which they have received from the master. They received some spiritual gift from the master. And the master's expectation is that they would work hard and multiply that gift. Multiply it. Grow it. And if they did, and if they do, well done, good and faithful servant. But what if you don't? What if you don't grow up? And what if you don't multiply? You don't work hard. There's another guy in that story. This first guy, well done, good and faithful servant. There's another guy in the story, and he's referred to as lazy. I guess you'd call lazy the opposite of hard work anybody listening there's two guys in the story actually there's three in the story but there's two contrast positions one is well done good and faithful servant and the other is you wicked lazy servant there's two people in the story one's going to get a grand entrance into the kingdom and one is not going into the kingdom and what is the clarification of the not going into the kingdom you're you're lazy You're lazy. You never took serious my call to multiply that which I have given you. So let me read it to you. Matthew 25, 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver. He's the other guy. How much did he get from the master in the beginning of the story? One bag of silver. How much has he got at the end of the story? One bag of silver. What did he multiply? Nothing. Nothing. What did he do with that which he has received? Nothing. And the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew. Oh, that's the worst part of all. I knew. I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. In other words, I knew it was all yours anyway. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered. Anybody listen to me? Because you know who wrote this? The one who we're going to all stand in front of. You're going to stand in front of him, and I'm going to stand in front of him. And you're not going to be able to say, I didn't know. Because you do know. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant. He's got one bag of silver, got dirt all over it. He hid it in the earth. He never did anything with anything. But I knew you were hard, and I knew one day you'd be back. And I knew one day I'd have to give an account. Take that money from the servant, give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. Anybody listen? What? Take it away from him. He's going to end up with nothing. He multiplied nothing. He's going to end up with nothing. And give it to the guy who worked hard. Does anybody listen to me? Give it to the guy who worked hard. The guy who multiplied. He got much, but he doubled that which he had. Verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Now, now hold that in your mind, and I will welcome, I'll give you a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have, even what little they've got, it's going to be taken away from you. Now throw this useless servant. Useless servant. What? Useless servant. He, he, he doesn't multiply. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't work hard. He doesn't grow up. He's a useless servant. Take What's going to happen to useless servants? Throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's called hell. He knew about the calling. Did you, did you notice? But he was lazy. Jesus equates laziness with wickedness at the end, and it was hell. Now, I can continue with Peter's letter. If anything primes the pump, that ought to do it. Do you know what it means when the word therefore is used in a sentence in the scriptures or in regular life? Do you know what it means when you see a therefore in the English language in a sentence? Therefore, connects the before and the next. What I'm about to read to you is the very next verse that connects the grow up and work hard to the core. To the core. Grow up, work hard. You'll, get a, you'll never fall away. You'll get a grand entrance into the kingdom. And here comes the core message of Jesus. Through Peter. Are you ready? Verse 12. Therefore, this is after grow up and work hard. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you. What does he keep bringing up? Keep reminding. Therefore, I'm going to keep reminding you as long as I live, verse 14, for our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me That I must soon leave this earthly life. It means he's. The Lord told Peter somehow revealed to him, "You're not going to live here much longer." Verse 15. So, so I work hard. This is Peter. The Lord has shown me that I'm not going to be here much longer. So I work hard. What's Peter's work hard calling? It may be different than yours, than the guy next to him. Maybe may be different than John's. But what's Peter's work hard calling? I work hard to make sure that you will always remember these things after I'm gone. How would he do that? He wrote them down. Do you know you got a copy? Do you know that's what I've been reading to you? His letter that he worked hard to write. Peter's letter, the words I'm reading to you today are a reminder of these things. What things? Grow up, work hard in this calling of God. This letter has authority, the authority of God. Like the wicked and lazy servant, he knew the expectations of the master, and so do you. Because of this letter from Peter, under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit, nobody in this room, nobody watching me online today will be able to say, I didn't know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Peter writes in this letter that he's going to leave this earth soon. So he writes a letter to future generations of the church so they'll know about the call of God to grow up and work hard preparing us for that which lies in front of us. I want to repeat verse 14 and 15 again. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure that you always remember these things after I'm gone. Peter worked hard to make sure that you got these words of God today. So I'm going to ask everybody a question. Here we go. What will you do with this letter? In the end, I will only answer that question for me. In the end, you're going to answer that question for you. What are you going to do with this letter? What will you do with Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua, Judges and Ruth? What what, what will you do with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians? What, What will you do with them? What are you going to do? Did you even read them? You see, you know what grace is? We sang a song about grace, amazing grace. You know what grace is? You got the letter. You didn't deserve the letter, the letter, Peter's letter to you. Grace is you got the letter. You didn't deserve the letter. You didn't earn the letter. You didn't do something that made God say, yeah, he gets the letter. No. Grace is you got the letter. You got Genesis. You got Exodus. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got the letter. Grace says you got the letter. What are you going to do with it? After you get it. And you can read. I guess that's grace, too. That you even have the ability to read the letter. Will God's response to your life be... Well done, good and faithful servant. You got the letter. Or will God's response to you be, You're a wicked, lazy servant. You did nothing with that which I gave you. Nothing. You didn't multiply anything that I gave you. Peter, we know now, has gone to be with the master, and I don't want any of us to forget the words that he left behind for us to follow. You know what the next verse is? The next verse. And by the way, I'm going to say what I said a bunch of times last week: Faith, which is the foundation of growing anywhere in anything, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. This is the next verse, verse 16. For we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son whom, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is referring to the transfiguration of Christ when Jesus took on his heavenly appearance and Peter got to see it, he got to see Jesus in his heavenly form. Peter saw Jesus in his heavenly form and in that moment he heard the voice of God the Father. And Peter can speak with authority because he knows and he saw these things personally. So I'm going to ask you, when I read to you Second Peter today, Do you accept the witness testimony of the Apostle Peter? I'm being very pointed on this. This is a man who saw Jesus in his heavenly form. He heard the voice of God. This is my son. Do you accept his witness testimony? Grow up. Work hard. Do these things and you'll never fall away. And God will give you a grand entrance into his kingdom. Do you accept his witness testimony? Or do you think uh, that's that's not really what he meant? Let me answer the question with a question. Do you accept his witness testimony? How much time have you devoted to reading and learning the word of God? It's hard work. I, I, I'm with you. I, it's not easy. It's easier to watch TV. How much time have you invested? How much effort have you invested in reading and learning these words of God? That so many, so many people. I think of the generations from the Apostle Peter to today that worked so hard so that you would get a copy of this in your language. I think of back... Back in the day when when those who translated it from the the original uh, languages were martyred. They were burned at the stake for translating it into different languages. They worked hard to ensure that you and I got a copy of this thing that now sits somewhere on the shelf. And no one reads. A supernatural move of God that doesn't move until you... Allow it to enter the portals of your soul, your eyes, and your ears. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Is it worth your hard work to study the Bible? I'll make a plug here in just a few weeks. We're going to start the fall semester of roots. Is it worth you committing one hour on a Wednesday night to come out here and join a group of people Open this book and see what God says. It gets better. It gets harder. Peter continues, verse 19. Next verse. Because of that experience, and he's referring to that transfiguration that he saw with his own eyes. We have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Do you accept his witness testimony? You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day. Notice the capital D. Until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Peter's letter is telling us to read the Old Testament. Do you understand that? Peter's witness testimony recorded in this letter says, read the Old Testament. That's why I'm blown away when I heard a fancy preacher in Atlanta say the Old Testament is a stumbling block to the gospel. Which gospel is he talking about? These words, the words of the prophets and Peter and Genesis to Revelation are the only light that you're going to get while we wait for the day to dawn and the morning star to shine upon our hearts. This is it. I'll say it again. It's hard work to study the Bible. It takes spiritual discipline. It's hard work to do most anything in life that has value. And what has more value than eternal life? The Bible is the Word of God, and He has given it As the only light that will pierce through the darkness, it is the only truth that will ever counter the lie of Satan. And the longer I stand in this ministry, the longer I come to this simple conclusion, everything stems by whether or not you accept and receive this as truth. Everything, everything. And I'm going to say it, I believe with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength that what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. And by doing so, I accept the witness testimony of its writers. I believe Peter saw Jesus on the mountain, glorified, and heard the voice of God the Father. Are you willing to bet your soul against that testimony? I can tell you what he said. You need to grow up and work hard. That's not all he said, but that's what he said. You see, what I hold here is the only truth that counters the lie of Satan. The wicked, lazy servant in Jesus's story knew that the master was going to return. Does anybody listen? When Jesus told the story about the the guy who had 10 and multiplied it to 20, and the guy who had one and multiplied it to nothing. In that story, that wicked, lazy servant knew the master was going to return. The wicked, lazy servant knew the master was hard and that he required his servants to work hard and multiply. He knew it. Ready? And so do you. And so do you. Yeah, you do. In fact, you know what's the most sobering part of that story? That. To me. That. He knew. He knew that the master was hard. He knew the master was going to come settle accounts. And he knew one day he was going to stand and give an account. And yet he was still wicked and he was still lazy. He knew. I'm telling you today, faith is not about knowing about God. Knowing was not enough. Jesus said knowing is not enough. The demons know, but that's not enough. It's not enough to know about the Bible. It's not enough to know about God. It's not enough. In James 2.19, it says, you say you have faith. For you believe there's only one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble with terror. How foolish. Can not you see that faith without good deeds, without hard work is useless? It's meaningless. Peter wasn't working hard to gain his salvation. Peter was working hard because he knew God. Peter knew God the Father by knowing Christ the Son. This is the result of the mercy and grace of God. When God, when Jesus says, My Father is always at work, and I too am now working. So he knew that there was a work to do. God was in, we're in a spiritual war. People are going to hell. They're being buried and taken off into the darkness. We've got work to do. We're supposed to be going into all the world and preaching the gospel. You see, Peter received the gift of God's grace and Peter also received a calling. Anybody listen? When you get the grace, you get the calling. You know what people want? They want the grace, but they don't want the calling. And that calling was hard work and that hard work would eventually lead him to die a martyr's death. Peter challenges us to know God personally by receiving the work and the calling of God into our lives personally personally. Jesus gave Peter a calling. He gave him a work to do. And Jesus has given you and I a calling, a work to do. Now, the work is different for each one of us. Each part of the body has a different function, a different role. But all of us are called to multiply that which we have received. Anyone called of God is given gifts, and they are the work of God. Work hard at maturing those gifts, multiplying those gifts. Listen to our opening verse from the Apostle Peter one more time, verse 10 and 11. I'm going to read it again. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Work hard to exercise and to multiply the gifts that you have received from God. And I want to make something really clear. It doesn't matter if you got 10 talents, if you got nine talents, five talents, or one talent. It doesn't matter how many you got, it's what you do with what you got that's going to matter. Just multiply. Multiply what you have received. Do these things and you'll never fall away. And you'll never hear the master say those dreadful words. You wicked, lazy servant. that's Peter's testimony and revelation from God. And I want to confirm something. We have two major characters at play here. You got Peter and you got the Apostle Paul. Peter, primarily, his mission was his calling was to the Jews. Paul's primary mission was to the Gentiles, even though they both crossed over multiple times, but they got the same Holy Spirit. They got different callings, but they got the same Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul met Jesus on the Damascus road, he saw him. he heard him. Peter saw the transfiguration. So he's got this testimony. Paul meets Jesus personally on the Damascus road, makes him go blind. So he's got this testimony. Paul is taken up to the third heaven, saw things he's not even allowed to talk about. You want to talk about a testimony, but notice they both got different missions, missions, one Gentile, one Jewish, but the same Holy Spirit. I want to read to you Paul's witness testimony and revelation to each one of us. It's found in 1 Corinthians twelve four. And as I'm reading this, I'm asking each one of you to evaluate your own life. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work. It's the same God that does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is all, excuse me, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. And I look around the room, and he has distributed all of these gifts. And maybe you have no idea what that was that he gave you. But he gave you, if you came to Christ, if Christ is in you, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, he comes with a gift. He is the gift, but he comes with an assignment. There's a calling. There's a purpose. Do you know what yours is? Have you used it? Have you multiplied it? Are you growing it to maturity? does it matter verse 11 again it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts he alone decides which gift each person should have we don't decide which gift we receive we don't choose the work and calling of god in our lives i can tell you this i would have never chose being a preacher That would have been the last thing on my list. I don't get to choose, you don't get to choose. He chooses. But we work hard to multiply what God has given us. Whatever the gift, work hard to multiply it. These gifts are the power of God at work in you. Multiply them by using them for His glory, not yours. Now here comes one of my last points. There's a lot of people in the church that work hard. But if you would evaluate, you go to, you get up early in the morning, you put in long days, you work hard, you take care of your family, you do this, you do that. But if you would evaluate your work, your work is for you. Your work is for you. You're not working hard for the kingdom. You're not working hard for somebody. You're working for you. That's not it. It's not it. Philippians 2.13 Uh, 2.12, excuse me. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Let that last verse, verse 13, kind of sink in for a moment. It is God that is working in me right now, in you right now, giving me the desire and the power, the desire to do it and the power to do what he wants me to do. It's him. It's not me. It's him. With deep fear and reverence for the Lord, I confess something today. I do fear failing God. Can I tell you that? Because I do. Satan wants me to fail. You remember on the night before Jesus died, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, Peter, Peter says, I'm, I'm willing to die for you, Lord. And Jesus says, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. Satan would love for me to fail. He'd love for you to fail. And Peter gives us this word, this supernatural word, grow up to maturity, work hard, Do these things and you'll never fall away and God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom. Do these things and you'll never fall away. What? Continue to grow in the word. Work hard in the spiritual calling. Let God's power be manifest in your life to do whatever it is I want you to do. Let me close. I challenge all of you today to grow up and work hard. And I'm going to tell you where to start. Start with this. Start with this. You can read. Start with this. Devote yourself to the study of the Holy Scriptures. I challenge you to pray. I challenge you to open the portal of your soul and allow the light of Christ to enter your eyes and your ears. And then I, I challenge you to pray fervently, especially after today's reading that the Holy, you pray fervently that the Holy Spirit would reveal your spiritual gift and give you the desire and the power to multiply that gift. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? That he would give you the desire and the power to multiply the gift so that you'll never be able, you'll never stand in front of him and say, you wicked, lazy servant. Why didn't you do anything with that which I gave you? Finally, we finish chapter 1 of Peter's second letter. (laughs) And what a a closing to chapter 1. Verse 20, above all, I'm going to hold it up high when I read it. Above all, we must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding. Then where did it come from? It didn't come from his own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Peter wrote that. If you reject this message today, you are not rejecting me because I didn't write it. I didn't write it, and actually Peter didn't write it either. It was given to him by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Christ. And if you reject these words today, you reject the source of these words today. And you're not going to be able to say, I didn't know. You didn't believe. The source of these words is life itself. To reject life is to receive death and hell. So what is Peter's message? Grow up, work hard, pay attention. Do not get distracted. Do not be dissuaded. Do not be deceived. Verse 19. Verse 19. And because of that experience, the transfiguration, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. Do you understand what that is? You know what the day dawns means? He's coming. You must pay close attention to this until the day dawns and the morning star shines in your heart. So I'm going to tell you, I'm convinced the day dawning is soon. I believe we're going to stand in front of the master soon. Every year, I do something. I'm not date setting. I'm not date setting but every year, those who know me personally, I go to the Feast of Trumpets and I always write in a big something on the Feast of Trumpets every year because I'm just always excited to think Jesus is going to fulfill the Feast of Trumpets. He fulfilled all of the, the spring feast and the Jewish feast. He is the feast. He's going to fulfill the fall feast. And the next fall feast is the Feast of Trumpets. This year it's going to be September 7th. I'm not date setting. I'm just hoping. And I'm hoping that when the Feast of Trumpet comes, that might be the day that the Lord says to His bride, it's time for you all to come home. He'll give us a grand entrance into His kingdom. But whether it's September 7th, or whether this afternoon, or whether it's 20 years from now, you're going to stand in front of Him. And I'm going to stand in front of Him. And I have in my possession a witness testimony from one of His dear apostles. Who told us, each one, grow up, work hard, do these things and you will never fall away and God will give you a grand entrance into his kingdom one day. I'm betting the farm on it. All of it. But one last thing. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. Are you ready? What if you don't? What if you don't? He said, grow up, work hard. You'll never fall away and God will give you a grand entrance into his kingdom. What if you don't? What if you never grow up? What if you never work hard? You never accept the spiritual gift. You never multiply anything that the Lord gave you. What if you don't? What did he do in the story? He took everything away from that guy. He took it all away. He had one bag of silver, and he took and gave it to the guy who had ten bags of silver. He took everything that he had away from him and said, you wicked, lazy servant, you're going to be left with nothing, and I'm going to throw you out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that guy knew, he knew in advance that you're a hard man, that you're one who's going to judge, that you're going to hold me accountable one day. He knew it, and yet he's never multiplied why Jesus tell the story. Because it's our story. We're one of those guys. And what if you don't? And what if you don't? Then you will be forever lost in the darkness. A horror beyond any horror any of us can comprehend. But what if you do? I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on this. Do these things and you'll never fall away. What? Grow up. Work hard. You'll never fall away while you're growing and working hard. You'll never fall away, and God will give you a grand entrance into his eternal kingdom. Father, I pray, awaken your church. Awaken your bride, Lord. Put oil in our lamps. Make us ready. By your great power, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation's open. Let's stand.